Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mommy Fox, Christopher Savage Bull Landauer, and David Garrett. Welcome, Savages, to episode 25, How to Not Die in Savage Worlds. You can die in Savage Worlds? I thought that was impossible. I thought it was impossible to kill characters. Right? Everyone's all like, oh, you can never die in this game. Now this game actually can be and is pretty lethal, especially lower-level characters, and if you don't create your character correctly. Or in a how-not-to-die way. We won't say correctly, because there's lots of... I mean... Oh, some true. of this, some of this we're going to talk about might be seem a little power gamey. I kind of think about it that way. I don't, I'm not going to say Munchkin, but it might be a little power gamey if you want to figure out a way to power game Savage Worlds and and not die. But still, still we we're going to say how not to die in Savage Worlds. But even if you do what we talk about, Savage Worlds happens. Oh, Those dice, dice explode. You may. I'm sorry, the ace. It's never going to be a point where you can feel. 100% safe in Savage Worlds. But uh, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about some news before we get, in, get into the topic. So uh, last Parsec, the booster Kickstarter for Iron Gate, of course, funded in, within minutes. It was n- never, obviously, never in doubt that that was going to fund. Yeah, um, it's cool that they, uh, Pinnacle's doing these little shorter booster Kickstarters and they're actually they're working well. Yeah, and get, you know, get the stuff out there and get the stuff to people who, uh, you know, kind of as Shane said, um, for these boosters and for, for Pinnacle, they're still going to put their stuff out in stores, but they've just found in the climate and, and the way things work in 2018 that Kickstarter is just a better way for them to get their product out there to people who may not be near a local game store or people who Kickstarter is their only opportunity. So, you know, oh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the obviously it's the hottest marketing platform for tabletop currently. Oh, yeah. It's just easy to board games. Every I mean, everything can I mean, all the RPGs, all the board games, you know, and, and it's it's good for smaller companies. I mean, I don't think you'll ever see you're never going to see a Paizo. You're never going to see a, a, a Watsi. I don't think do a Kickstarter because they're just they're 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 too big. They have the lion's share of the market, uh, and so you know they don't they don't really need it. But you know people, you have to look at Pinnacle. Pinnacle, you know, they're a great company. They they do a lot of stuff. They put out a lot of product, but they're not a big company. You know, they're not a huge company, and so they, they've got to find a way to market. They've got to find a way to get their product out there. And I think these boosters are, you know, a, a smart way to go and, and something that, that's really going to help them out and keep them growing as a company. Well, they're also nice because they're not a huge 31-day or more Kickstarter that's just a slog, you know. It's like, oh, no, no, they're there. Like, yeah, Pinnacle knows that they're going to get the, the eyeballs on it the first day, and people understood they're going to pay out, pony up early, and then you know be done with it. Versus, oh my God, how many different stretch goals are we going to do, and how do we keep this interesting during the mid campaign, and can we spam you eighty five thousand more times? Because you know that's the thing is like when you're running a long Kickstarter and you're hoping to actually get funding for something that won't happen without Kickstarter, and you're in that mid Kickstarter drolls, it's like, 
I really need to stop this. I need to get eyeballs. We need to, you know, change the momentum. And that's when you get the, you know, like, you know, everybody's guilty of this. You watch people on Kickstarter, like, they, you know, they start advertising more and really pushing it. And it's just like, yeah, no, we've heard about your project. We got it. We got it. But the, um, oh, other cool thing. Uh, Shane posted on the Savage Worlds Facebook page that he, they actually found a couple more of the limited edition box sets for Last Parsec. So if you didn't get the pretty, pretty limited edition parsec, last parsec version. Right, um, with all the hardbacks and the cool slipcover box and all that cool stuff. Yeah, they got a couple more. So if you're going to pick up Iron Gate for last parsec, you may as well pick up the limited edition box set that's still available. Another cool thing that just came out, um, Gunmetal Games uh, posted the sequel to their Savage Guide to Hell. They now have a Forces of Light Savage Guide to Heaven, so that's available on print-on-demand from... David Jarvis and all the guys over there, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, just search Savage Guide to Heaven, and I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, I'm guessing print-on-demand. I'm guessing uh, drive-through RPG or RPG Now is what I'm figuring they're going through. Probably uh, could be Lulu, but I, you know we're not real. We didn't we, we didn't look that up. We just we just happened to find that. So uh, go out, give that a search if you if you have that. And uh, the other book uh, is all about hell. So you know might be good. You could combine the two and run a like a supernatural game or something like that. Yeah, ethereal plane game. Yeah, there you go. The other cool news: uh, the Rocky Mountain Savages are stepping up, and we are saving Savagepedia. The uh, the hosting site, the actual whole platform for the wiki that it's been on for the last couple of years, is going defunct soon. So we figured, you know, better not let that resource go away. And uh, since we run the uh, a pretty sizable Savage Worlds website, we're like, well, let's let's do it. Let's step up and host it. So uh, more news on that as we get that done. But the uh, we did a little crowdfunding for that and raised a bunch of money. So we've paid a, a hosting company that has a script to go through and translate it all like it was crowdsourced for a while but it just turned into too much work for the volunteers to copy and paste pages um and yeah it really is too much work to do but that's hand. a lot so if you if you get it i mean the company you you said basically is going to just run a script be able to transfer all that stuff pretty easily yeah um, it wasn't really that expensive to to get it done and to have that company do it get us the information that we need once they're done transfer it over to our host you know yeah, we, you know, we plan on setting it up so it'll be a little more you know, viable in perpetuity, so it's not going to be attached to any one platform. We'll actually get a domain name for it instead of just you know, savagepd.wikispaces.netcom or whatever it's on now. Um, you know, <laughs> dot .netcom? Whatever it is. The, uh, yeah. dot org .netcom gov. .org.netcom gov edu. Um, yeah, because it just makes sense you know, to not have to do this again. Like That's kind of actually how the, the Rocky Mountain Savages started is that the uh, before my time, the guys had set up um, a pretty decent Yahoo group, but then Yahoo decided, well, we're not going to support the Yahoo groups in the email list anymore. And yeah, you can stay there, but when they stop supporting it, you're just one virus or bug or browser yeah. update away from your whole list going down, just dying. And uh, so it was tough going from that to a, a forum and a couple of the guys who really liked the email list, uh, you know, uh, didn't didn't become as, as loquacious on the forums as they were on the email group. Ooh, but, big word. Good word. Right? As talkative. But that's the thing. is like, you know, the forum's still around and it's going to be around and, and, you know, the Yahoo is basically dead. Um, so that's the thing. So, you know, in, in planning for perpetuity for not just, you know, this iteration but for the next iteration, hopefully we'll, we'll keep Savage PD around and the, um, we'll get some other cool content to add to it too. Like we did a whole wiki for our Twilight Legion um, which is the living campaign for Deadlands. We did a, another one for Weird Wars Rome. 
And um, so we figured, well, we'll just merge that content into the Savagepedia so everybody else can, you know, get access to it. They don't, yeah. they don't have to, you know, come to us now. That's That was all tried and true, and we got good content. So they uh, look for that new addition to Savagepedia. And um, that'll be a good resource, and hopefully people will continue to use it, continue to, to add to it. Yeah, I and mean, there's a lot of cool fan-made stuff out there that, um, you know, hasn't made its way on the Savagepedia yet. So hopefully, because there's a lot of us RMS savages will get the the word out and get some you know a little more usage of savagepedia to you know keep so yeah a lot of it was just really great information there's a lot of um uh you know in trying to save it going through those files and just looking to see what was there i was like oh my god there's all this stuff from like neverland no more and all these really kind of cool uh campaign settings that were um you know uh around a couple years ago and the um, and plus just all the new stuff that's happening. It's like there's so much Savage Worldsness going on. Some of those pages are really handy to just be like, okay, so what are all the published adventures in Savage Worlds, or what are all the settings, or who are all the publishers? Just, you know, those kind of pages are really handy when um, you know we have such a thriving, growing community. So uh, keep, you know, keep a lookout. We'll we'll make an announcement when we finally get the uh, the site fully transferred over and get a domain name attached to it and all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, it should probably be a what a, a month, month and a half maybe. Yeah, or less. Or less, yeah. yeah. We, we've already paid the company to start doing it, and they said that they uh, might even be done with their part by the weekend, but then we've got to transfer it over to our hosting and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, but yeah, no, the, the give us a, at least a, we'll, we'll, we'll ask for a month and deliver sooner. Um, but yeah, we're glad that that project is. Uh, what do they say? What do they call that? O- o- under promise, over. Over deliver. Over deliver or something? Yeah. Yes. That, that's our hope. So yeah, I mean that's the thing is like you know there's been a lot of really great people who've stepped up um, over time for Savage PD like Christian Serrano's uh, been the uh, the latest guardian uh, of that project and um, you know so hopefully we'll keep it going strong and um, yeah but yeah it's, it's just sad to see some resources fade like that like you know once they're gone they really don't come back and the it's like like on the Savage PD there's kind of the whole list of the um, there was like the official, uh, way back in the day when Pinnacle was still uh, a little more sharkified than it is now, like Shane Hensley loves sharks, if you did not know. Um, there was an official fanzine, which was called... Shark Bites. Yeah, Shark Bites. And um, so the, those are all on there. And then When I the, first started Savage Worlds, and, and you could get to those, I, th- I, think they, I don't think they were actually even on Savagepedia at the time. I printed them all out. I don't know what I ever did with them, but uh, yeah, that was... Those were pretty cool. They had some, you know, adventures in them and all kinds of cool stuff. And, you know, that was when I was first starting out. And not that I'm not uh, still obsessed with Savage Worlds, but really heavy into, oh, I got to get all the information I can get. Right. And then the funny thing is, it's like, so the Shark Bites was the official fanzine. And then there was an unofficial fanzine called the Shark Nibble. The shark nibbles. Oh, was there? Yeah. I totally missed that. Right? I had no idea that it existed either, but I'm looking through the files going, oh, what's this shark nibbles thing? So they... Um, and you know, the uh, something else that's on Savagepedia that I still love that's from way back in the day is from Wiggy. Uh, Paul Wiggy, uh, Wade Williams, is uh, uh, Whispers from the Pit. If you've never seen Whispers from the Pit, it was really a cool series by him. My favorite one is he did, and, and it's like a two-page article on uh, tricks and tests of will and how to you know different things you can do because you know when people say i'm going to do a trick a lot of times they'll go i'm just going to go do a a smart trick and they'll roll smarts and they won't say what they're going to do well this had a nice list of uh your shoes untied kick sand in your eye and it had all these different tricks that you could use to kind of spark that imagination 
Oh, that's fun. And it's it's a great resource. Yeah, so maybe when we get this up and running, we'll do on the podcast, we'll do like every time we do an episode, we'll do uh, uh, I think that's, uh, a, a thing from the archive. I know what you're saying, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll plug Spotlight. something. Yeah, well, some, some, something cool that's in the Savagepedia. We can, call, we, can, we, can, uh, we can do a little section. We'll call it uh, Spotlight on Savagepedia. There we go. Nice. Or something See, like that, or, or Savagepedia Spotlight, or something cool like that. See, we just thought of that on the fly, guys. We didn't even plan this. Like, nope. That's how awesome we are. The um, other cool news, um, at the end of July, July 28th and 29th, here in Denver, we're doing WarpCon, a uh, two-day gaming event at the Wings Over the Rockies, which is a really cool site. So the, the, there was a website for that if you want to check it out and come run games, come sign up for games. It's uh, takeustowarp.com, like, you know... Captain Kirk, take us to warp. Um, and what does warp stand for? Uh, war games and role-playing games come together. So the uh, guy who's spearheading it is one of our savages named Dustin Hatchett. And actually, he ran like a warp day like more than a decade ago where he kind of got the war game guys and role-playing guys together to, to run some stuff. And uh, so he resurrected that name for this. And um, the, uh, the space is really awesome. It's the Wings Over the Rockies, which is kind of a Smithsonian quality air and space museum right here in Colorado. And we're playing like in the middle of the hangar. And so you're, we're like feet away. So be, besides just like actual really awesome planes, like they have the plane from like the flight of the intruder. They've got the top gun plane, the F 14s. Um, they've got some, um, world war two Jeeps. Uh, they've got a, like a world war one, um, ambulance. Um, but they also have, they have a huge spy plane. They've got some uh, actual spacecraft that were um, either models, tested models for um, like replacements of the shuttle. Um, they have some capsules that actually um, you know mimic the um, or design on the same basis of the uh, the early space missions. Uh, but they also have a Star Wars X-wing and a pod racer. Full size X-wing. Yeah, full size. I think is it full size. Maybe the. Um, Full size or three quarter size? Maybe three quarter. Or the pod razor might be. Anyways, the um, but like I actually have the next wing that was signed by most of the cast um, when they actually opened up. I don't know, ten years ago or more. It's um, been more. It's uh, episode one. They, yeah, for episode out. one, they they did a huge event here in Colorado. It was actually like the 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 largest Star Wars and Star Trek fan clubs were both here in Colorado. I think run by the same dude. Even yeah. Well, it was the it was the first uh, it was the first Star Wars celebration. Yeah. Which is still going on. Star Wars celebration still is going on. They move it around the country, but uh, the first first one was in Colorado. And they had uh, at out the, at Lowry Air yeah. Force Base, which is where the museum is. Is it's a no longer it's a decommissioned Air Force Base. Um, now it's a na- now that's the the Lowry neighborhood. I mean, they've built all kinds of houses and things out there. So, uh, but they still have some of the the hangars and things from when it was an Air Force Base. Yeah, and so when they had that first celebration, they brought in the X wing and, the, and the, the pod racer, and they just stayed. And um, so that's kind of cool. Like you can definitely you can you can play some actual X wing, you know, tabletop game. And the weather that that weekend, I remember because I was there, was horrendous. Oh, you might some of the pictures, man. Downpours, and they've never come back to Colorado that I know of since then. Oh, really? <laughs> nope. nope. Oh, that's hilarious. I, I mean, it was. I mean, horrendous. The tents, like the they had everything set up in big, huge tents, and the tents were flooding. And so, like the the merchandise, the I guess you would call it like the a dealer's hall tent. <laughs> People were walking through puddles of That's water in in the tent. It rained that much. This and is the monsoon world. Yeah, I don't Star think uh, I don't think people uh, uh, at Lucas or you know because it was Lucas uh, Disney didn't own it at the time. I don't think those people were 
uh, real thrilled with Colorado weather. I don't, oh, that's think, they, I don't think they've been back since that I recall. Yeah, no, Dustin was showing me like there's a Facebook group that has all the pictures or a bunch of pictures from back then. So maybe you're in some of them. I'll have to go look. The, um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, because they were showing like the, all the people who were here and all the, you know, they, they had the guy who did Darth Maul. He was on stage. Yeah. Doing a, uh, well, I met Anthony Daniels. Yeah. You know, I met C-3PO. We're, we're waiting in one of the horrendously long lines. I don't even remember what it was for. And, you know, we're just all waiting in line. It's taking forever, and it's torrential downpour, and we're all standing there in line. And he comes walking down the line, just stopping, taking pictures, talking to people, shaking hands. What a classy dude. It was really cool. It, was, it might not have been raining at that point, because I don't know if he would have been out in the torrential downpour, but I know we were waiting in line for something, and he just came and took pictures and talked to folks, and yeah, it was really, it was very, very cool. That's awesome sauce. So yeah, join us end of this month, July 28th, 29th, and um, we're, you know, we're going to do these a couple times a year, just to kind of have you know, a little more balance in the, the role-playing schedule and get to see each other more often. The, our big convention, our big fall convention is not running this year, Tacticon. And uh, so it's kind of a, a good little replacement for that, hopefully. And um, so, yeah, with that, let's get on to the actual meat of the podcast. So how do you not die in Savage Worlds? How do you not die? So the, uh, I mean, kind of the first thing is, so this is actually inspired by one of our earlier podcasts. We, we recommended a really good Deadlands um, podcast to you guys to go listen to, which you should be listening to. And um, some stuff went down in that podcast, and so we figured we'd give a little lesson on like the uh, like reading between the lines. Like they haven't posted their character sheets, but hearing a little bit of and they edit out kind of most of the the fluff and the dice rolling. But I, I heard some things like, "Wait, you're rolling against a D four for that? Like, you're not that good if your vigor's only a D four, buddy." So and so anybody who who might not have caught that podcast or know what we're talking about, the the show we're talking about is Sounds Like Crows. Uh, so you can go out to, to uh, iTunes, uh, any, of the, any of your uh, podcast uh, catchers, type in Sounds Like Crows, uh, and you'll be able to find them. I think it's soundslikecrows.com, possibly. Uh, but uh, go out, look for them. Uh, still going strong. Uh, I love their sec- show. Second season's been, been pretty good so far. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying the second season. Yeah, no, and the, it is a, they're running a very gritty, deadly, not necessarily... Uh, munchkinable version of Deadlands, which is pretty awesome. So, the uh, but here, here's the big thing. So once you get three wounds, right, and you get your fourth wound, you're incapacitated. So here's what the book says about incapacitation, and this kind of explains where we're going with this. It says incapacitated characters are, aren't necessarily dead, but are generally too beaten, battered, or bruised to do anything useful. They may not perform actions and are not dealt action cards in combat, which also means you're not getting jokers. Right. In rules is written now. Now, let me, I want to pre- I want to say something on this real quick after that paragraph that people need to understand. Incapacitation, you take that fourth wound, that fifth wound, people automatically freak out. Oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. Not yet. <laughs> You're not, <laughs> not dead yet. You're just mostly dead. You're just mostly dead because we're going to talk here in just a second about how do you determine if you're dead, dead. Uh, so, you know, it's not. People need to not freak out too much. I mean, yeah, you might want to freak out a little bit if you take, you know, 10 wounds and you're trying to soak stuff. You might uh, might be a little time to freak out, but just know that you're not necessarily dead when you take that fourth wound. Well, and that's the thing is the... Um, so 
one, you're not getting you're not getting dealt a card, and so if you happen to have a Joker on the round, you're getting a capacity, and like that's the only time you're gonna get you're gonna benefit in the current rule set from that bonus on the card. So it's a little disappointing you're not gonna be able to get a Joker to help you out on these rolls because it it gets pretty bad pretty fast. So um, well, technically, well. Unless you have the Joker for the round that you take it, right? Because right, you're that, gonna, that one round. That yeah. one round, you to, you, you're, you're you going to have it because you need to make a... And we'll, you, sorry, I may be jumping ahead, but... Right, uh, make hay with that card that round. Right, right. exactly, yeah. So the um, so it continues. Wild cards are incapacitated if they suffer more than three wounds, collectively, cumulatively, or all at once. When a wild card becomes incapacitated, make an immediate vigor roll. The uh, And a vigor roll is a trait roll, so this does... Elon applies to this in rules as written or currently... So what happens is if you roll a total of one or less, you're dead. So there's, there's like two ways to die. One, you boff this roll and you get a one or less. And then even if you succeed, you can still die by bleeding out. But we'll get that in a second. Right. Uh, so one or less, you're just dead. Um, failure, you roll on the injury table and it's permanent and you're bleeding out. If you succeed, you roll on the injury table and the injury goes away when all wounds are healed. And if you get a raise, you roll on the injury table and the injury goes away in 24 hours or when all wounds are healed. So you can die right here, like straight right. up. You know. Another thing, though, that's important to point out here is that um, in the rules, you, you're not, let's say, that you, let's say that you're at six wounds yeah. and you're making that vigor roll. You're making that vigor roll at a minus three. Yeah, you're, you're not making it at a minus six. Yes, so here, uh, different than soaking. So here's kind of like our first piece of advice. Um, is soaking is good if you want to stay in the battle and keep fighting, but I characters who die often want to stay in the current action too much and spend too too many bennies right. trying to not become incapacitated, and they're left with no or few bennies for the incapacitation and bleeding out rolls, which is why you end up dying. Right. You always want to save. I always tell people new to Savage Worlds, and I even try to remind my players now, and a lot of times they don't they don't listen, but save at least one Benny in case you need to make that incapacitation roll. Right, and that's the thing. So the inca- so to, to, uh, to soak rolls, when you're trying to remove wounds or negate wounds, those, the penalties, you're not taking the penalties of the wounds you're about to take. So if, you get, you know, if you're at two wounds and you get five new wounds, you're not rolling at you know, the minus seven, you're only rolling at the minus two. So you're not rolling at the new wounds you take, but when you have a bunch of wounds, um, those wounds, you know, they stack up against your uh, against your soak rolls. Only three points count towards uh, the incapacitation roll. So you, so you don't have to worry about if you get if you get the, the ninety five wounds, you know, you're not insta killed. That's not that's not how the game right, works. Right. Exactly. Um, the uh, so the in in rules as written currently, you want to survive not getting the one or less on. The vigor roll. So one first piece of advice is don't dump stat vigor. This should be obvious, but uh, you know the there aren't a lot of edges early on that demand high vigor, and so some people dump stat vigor. Um, not a good idea if you want to survive. If you want to keep your character around, uh, don't dump stat vigor. The difference between a D four and a D six is pretty substantial, um, and also the um, you know again other piece of advice save your bennies for incapacitation if you're at least one them, right at least one it's like you know odds of success on multiple attempts are good you know the, the 
that that evens out even more so than raising any, any individual die to a higher die type. Getting multiple cracks at the bat is always good. Because if you succeed on the first roll, you don't need the Benny anymore. Um, but if you fail, and failing means death, you get another shot. So that's always good. So save your bennies. Don't upset Vigor. And... Um, and then the if you do succeed, so trying to succeed this first roll, like how do we go about not getting that one or less? So uh, one is uh, combat maneuvers. So don't even get in position in the first place. Like that's that's kind of, I mean, it sounds like a little bit of a cop out, but there are a lot of combat options when you are at multiple wounds that can help you not get killed. Yeah, people don't people don't think about those. Because there's so much in that mindset of combat and the the mindset of combat from another system, um, you know that this is not an attrition system. Right, that, this is that's too the swingy. one thing I really really want to. Well, we can either talk about that now, or talk about it in a little bit. Um, maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit. That it's not, yeah, not an attrition system. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So the the first one is if you are if you're getting close, if you if you don't want to die. The combat maneuver that anyone can do during their turn is, uh, the first one is defend. And so defend is written as, if a character's only regular action is to defend, his parry is increased by plus two until his next action. So this means that like, you know, if you luck out and you have to go first and the attackers get two swipes at you because you go after them the next round, your choice to defend gives you this plus two, you know, for at least one, if not two, um, swipes at you. The, um, so your parry is plus two, and the defender may move normally while performing this maneuver, but no running or other actions are allowed. So that's defend, plus yeah, two parry. Yeah, and, and, and that's good because the key there, too, is it lets you move. So, you know, you can defend, move, and maybe get yourself extricated from that situation that you're in. Maybe you're being ganged up on or something, and you, you may be able to save yourself... Uh, by getting out of that situation by defending and then moving. Yeah, and the other option, um, and this is good for fighters who actually have a fighting skill that's uh, pretty decent, is called full defense. Full defense says, in addition to the usual defend option, a character can also go for a full defensive option. He makes a fighting roll at plus two, which is pretty nice. because In Savage Worlds, plus twos greatly enhance your chance of success, right? Because yeah, that. You know, and plus, like you're also thinking that you know you want to remove the downside options. Getting pluses to rolls are the way to do that. And, and uh, some people might say oh, plus two, that's not a big deal. Savage Worlds, a plus two is a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. When basic success is a four, yeah, um, a plus two ensures you're not getting a one or a two. Exactly. Um, the uh, let's see. So you make the fighting roll plus two, and you use the same result as his parry. Uh, you use the result as your parry until your next action. So you can get a massive parry bonus here. Um, if you roll a die and the die aces or explodes and you get a plus two to that, that is your parry. That is a pretty nice way. I mean, it's, it's better, it's, a, it's as good as an attack roll with an aim or um, any bonuses. And, um, this and your parry can't go lower. So I, I've, yeah, seen people biff, I've seen people biff a full defense roll. And uh, well, I saw somebody crit fail double ones uh, full defense roll and they're like oh crap I'm like no your parry is still what your parry is two plus half your vigor so just throw that out there to people in case you don't know that and yeah you're not you're not getting rid of parry by going on a full defense um, but yeah I mean if you're a fighter with a D 
D8 fighting, D10 fighting. Oh, man. And you roll that full defense? Oh, no, parry's two plus half your fighting. Oh, two plus half your fighting. Yeah, yes. I, was, I, was t- I was talking toughness. Right. Well, that's the thing. Right? Yeah, 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 toughness. And then, but here, yeah, here is where you're actually with full defense, you're substituting fighting for vigor. Basically. Right. Oh, that's embarrassing right. that, 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 that somebody who knows the rules just uh, we have biffed edit, that. We have edited capabilities. Yeah, let's edit that out. Okay. <laughs> the, um, yeah, so, you, so here it's also a trade test, so you get to use your wild die. And then you can also spend bennies on this, which you know kicks in bonuses like Elan, um, if you have that edge. And so your, your parry never gets worse. And if the roll is lower, then you just keep your parry instead. There's no bonus. And um, but a hero using full defense cannot move at all. So he's doing everything you can to fend off whatever is attacking them. And if he wants to move away as well, you just get to use the defend maneuver. So full defense is like. Shelter in place. Right. Um, You're throwing your shield out and throwing your sword out and parrying blows and just uh, just everything in your power not to get hit. Uh, you know, and, and if you if you if you kind of have that person who's who's a narrative player who likes to, you know, describe, you can really have some fun, you know, describing full defense. Well, so and then the, the other option is if you want to get away from uh, whatever's attacking you. You can still you can't use full defense, but you can use defend in combination with withdrawing. And so when you withdraw from close combat, um, all adjacent non-shaken opponents get an immediate free attack against you, but only one. So they can they can't use frenzy or other edges. But that's pretty lethal, right? Like you know, that's oh like yeah, gang be- up. Can, yeah, if you're moving away from combat, that can be pretty pretty bad. Right, and so there are ways to um, benefit that. There are edges you can take. Isn't but, there one uh, something about because I said uh, a minute ago you can you can uh, what's the word I'm looking for extradite yourself from the situation or extraction extraction that's what it was yeah extraction God boy words are hard for me today so these are the edges that can help you out so if you're withdrawing you can take extraction which is a novice edge you need an agility of d8 or more. And it says, when a character normally withdraws from melee, his attacker gets a free attack before he does so, a very dangerous proposition for most. Your hero is adept at retreating from an engagement. Make an agility roll. If successful, one opponent doesn't get a free attack anytime you disengage. So this is actually very helpful if you're the kind of guy who wants to go up against the big bad and you know, you're faced you're toe-to-toe with the big bad and then the big bad smacks you around and you want to get away. Um, you can pick him as the one who doesn't get to attack you when you extract. So extraction is a handy edge that, that removes the penalties from withdrawing. And um, there's some, actually some other really good edges that'll keep you alive. The first one, the obvious one, um, is called hard to kill and harder to kill. And so hard to kill uh, requirements are that you're a wild card. So, you know, obviously player characters get this and the uh, most mooks don't. Uh, novice and a spirit of DA+. plus. So again, these are things where like, you know, obviously you don't want vigor as a dump stat, but as you're seeing a lot of these edges, all, like, spirit's a very popular requirement for edges. Yeah, and a lot of people, you, you, people talk about that too. And for some reason, they'll take, they'll think spirit. Oh, I'll just put a D4 in spirit. Really, Savage Worlds overall, just to get up on a small little tangent, Savage Worlds overall really doesn't have a dump stat per se. I mean, you could find a reason for all your attributes to be important. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, they're all, they all necessarily come up in regards to fighting and dying. Right. Yeah, when you hit spirit and vigor and fighting, um, you know, those... 
those are all right there, and yeah, that requires strength or agility, and so you know, you're yeah. There, there's not really a dumb stat. Maybe charisma. Charisma is the one that you know you don't have to spend any points in charisma. Right, that's um, a derived anyway. So right, so you're you're done. So hard to kill is what you, the benefits you get from there. The uh, the adventure has more lives than a truckload of cats. When forced to make vigor rolls due to incapacitation, he may ignore his wound modifiers. This only applies to vigor rolls called for to resist incapacitation for, or death. Uh, he still suffers from wound modifiers for other trait rolls normally. So here's one where you're getting rid of those negatives. So that's that. Yeah, that's three right off the bat. Right. So that's big. Right. If you're if you're if you're getting, if you have hard to kill, you're not taking the minus three. Then the only way you die on that first roll is by crit failing and rolling a one on both your vigor and your wild die. Yeah, that's the only way you die. So that's a much better proposition to oh, not sure. die than having you know the wound modifiers minus three and still being able to roll the one. Um, so hard to kill definitely is is fantastic. Uh, also, so the, the the upgrade harder to kill if you take the additional level is your hero is tougher to kill than Rasputin. He is if he is ever killed, roll a die. On an odd result, he's dead as usual. On an even result, he's incapacitated but somehow escapes death. He may be captured, stripped of his belongings, or mistakenly left for dead but somehow survives. So harder to kill basically takes whatever chance of dying you have left after all your other advantages and then halves them. Right. Because if you actually ever do get so to the death result... Pretty you, much keep yourself alive with that one. Right? You get another you know, another chance of like, oh no, evens or odds. And, um, and again, you can Benny all these things, right? So like keeping Bennies for these means you get really, really good. Like the odds of success on an even or odd on two rolls is what? 75% if you can roll twice. Um, so that's really good odds right there, just keeping that extra Benny. So don't spend all your Bennies to stay in combat. Consider withdrawing. Consider, you know, taking the incapacitation and dealing with it with more bennies than not. But there's also some other good edges that you might not consider. One is nerves of steel. So nerves of steel, you gotta be a wild card, you gotta be a novice, and you have to have a vigor of D8 plus, so another good reason not to dump that vigor. And nerves of steel says, your hero has learned to fight through the most intense pain. He may ignore one point of wound penalties. And then there's an improved version of that where you get um, two points of wound penalties. So if you decided, if you didn't go up the spirit route for the spirit D8 and can't take hard to kill, but you did not dump stat vigor and have a good vigor, take nerves of steel and improve nerves of steel, and you can get two points, uh, one or two points against your wound penalties. So and some of these you might have to, you know, you might have to spend a little bit of time and 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 think about your character and you might not be able to take them right away but you know you might find a way to to take them with advances and things like that so some of these you may not get to right away as a novice just created character but you know it's good things to think about moving forward after character creation oh yeah well just and then just kind of plotting your you know edge advancement tree um you know I, i know uh, a lot of people, if you want to just get started playing, get right into it. You know, you're not too worried about looking at the, the, the skill tree or the the edge tree in Savage Worlds. But it is worth you know noting, like, um, like I, I did this in my zombie game. Like, I wanted my characters to survive, so I looked at um, things like Liquid Courage. Right, Liquid Courage is one of those um, edges that's a little bit cheap, 
Um, but if you're, you know, it's a situational edge where you get a bonus to vigor, I believe. You get uh, if you, a, a vigor die if you imbibe yes. X amount of alcohol. Yeah, so it's basically yeah, you, your your character has to imbibe alcohol, and and there are ramifications for this afterwards. Like you know, you get minuses. To right, it's not your, free. It's not free. Uh, I do believe, yeah, Liquid Courage. It's a novice. You need a vigor of a D8, and you gain a vigor die type after imbibing at least eight ounces of alcohol. So it's in, it's in, it's in deluxe. I mean, I took that one for one of my characters um, in the zombie game, just because it's like, hey, you need more vigor right now. Um, you know, here's a here's a vigor die type. I mean, that's a pretty significant bonus just for you know slurping the alcohol. And you've given the, you've given the GM opportunities to make your character's life harder by, oh, uh, you're having a really hard time finding alcohol right now. Oh, right? Yes. I don't and know. Is that a Dick GM move? No. I mean, especially in the post-apocalypse. Right, yeah. Like, you know, and, and like, or, or, or is like, is like the cleric, you know, the, the medic in your team going to allow you to be, you know, imbibing the alcohol that they need for like treating wounds, right? right. And, you know, running the cars and all those kind of things. Like the, um, you know, precious, precious reserves and you're, you're sitting there. Yeah, and it also works in if you have a habit, you know, those kind of things. So for Liquid Courage, so you need a uh, novice and vigor of D8+. Your hero processes alcohol far different than most. The round after consuming a stiff drink of at least eight ounces of hard liquor or the equivalent, the character's vigor increases by one die type, increasing their toughness as well. So this is, you know, that's pretty significant. The, the hard drinker can also ignore one level of wound modifiers. Also fantastic. This also stacks with other abilities that do the same. So if you've got nerves of steel and you're taking some some drinks, you can get up to three. Um, you could ignore three levels of wounds, um, and your toughness is better, and your vigor die is a die higher than it is. So that improves your your stats for all those rolls. The effect lasts for one hour after it begins. If the drunkard seeks inebriation, he suffers minus two to smarts and agility-based rolls for as long as he continues to drink and the next 1d6 hours thereafter. So that's where it comes into the the zombie game. Is like, yeah, maybe you use this alcohol to get out of this combat, but what about the next two and the next hour? Right, right? Which, is, which is in a zombie apocalypse game you know is going to happen sooner or later. Right, but the um, but those are I mean those are some pretty good advantages as written. You get, you know, a die type, additional die type. You ignore one level of wound penalties. Your toughness goes up. So liquid courage is actually a pretty yeah. good edge for staying alive. And um, then there's always my favorite edge um, because it is a little bit overpowered because it also does count for soak rolls. Is, um, I wonder which one this is right, going to be. What is it going to be? Alon, right? Alon gives you whenever you spend a Benny, including on soak rolls, and you have to spend a Benny to soak, you get a plus two. And that's on all trait rolls. And so that plus two, if you think about it, when you're spending the Benny, um, the way I like to look at it is you're spending Bennies on things that are important to not fail. And so if something's important that you don't fail at it, isn't it also, wouldn't it make sense to take an edge that gives you a bonus when you spend that Benny? And so as rules is written currently, you get it for free basically on the soak roll because you're already spending a Benny on the soak roll anyways. Right. And so every soak roll, if, as Savage Worlds currently, you get a lawn in effect. And um, 
which is fantastic. Like that, that is a great way of avoiding getting rid of wounds, getting a plus two. But like, think about it. You're, you're getting a plus <coughs> two, you, right? You're, you're halfway there. You're halfway to get rid of the wound you just took, or at least one of them. And, um, and you're certainly like, consider this too. In, in this version of the rules where you can die if you get that one or less, by negating your wound penalties and getting a lawn, you only have to, you know, you, basically, if you, if you negate two of your wound penalties and you have a lawn, you're guaranteed not to die on the initial uh, in, uh, incapacitation rule. You right. will not in, get unless, a one. Unless critical failures happens. True. Well, yeah, that's a thing. And, that, and I mean, that's, I would say that's, and that's a case where if you're using critical failures, I mean, that, that's the caveat there. Uh, right now, uh, deluxe, you, it's a setting rule. So not everybody is not everybody uses it. I think a lot of people kind of default to it, but it's not necessarily the fact that that your game, your GM is using critical failures. But if they are, then know that double ones is is when the bad shit happens. So that's the thing. So do, do crit fails? Do you run crit fails if you do have bonuses on the rolls? Like if there is a bonus for aiming and you crit fail or I think a crit fail is a crit, crit fail. fail is crit fail. Yeah. That's that's the way I've always played it. Um that that if if you double one, it's it's a crit fail. So, if you're playing that rule, like yeah, you know, you're dead. Right. The uh, or or again or, or and if you're playing you can't reroll crits, right? If you can't reroll if you're playing harsh, if you're saying you cannot reroll crit failures, the Well uh, no, that that's that's the setting rule. Is a crit fail can't be rerolled with a Benny. Yeah, so that's then, the setting rule. Then you're dead. So then you're then you are dead, 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 dead. Not mostly dead, totally dead. But the um, but yeah, but if you if you don't have crit fail rules in place, those plus twos, you know, two two all you have to do is get rid of two uh, you know uh, uh, two of the three uh, minuses for your wounds, any lawn together, or nerves of steel, or you know, that basically guarantees you're not gonna die on the initial roll, but you cannot get a one or less, right? So there you go. So that, 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 that is the how to survive that role. And then there's some other things too. Is like the after you make the first incapacitation role, you're not out of the woods yet. Like, you know, if you're if you fail, you're still bleeding out, right? So if you're failing that first incapacitation role, you go to bleeding out, and bleeding out is pretty harsh. You have to make a vigor roll at the start of every round. You know, right before, before action, action cards. cards are dealt, yep. and as and as rules are written now, you're not getting dealt any more action cards, so you're not going to get any bonuses from jokers. Well, no, that's that's uh, yeah, I guess that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So as long so when you're bleeding out at the start of every round, you have to make a vigor roll before action cards are dealt, and you're not even getting an action card, so you're you're not going to get a joker. You know, so no benefits there, and you have to keep making these vigor rolls, and you have to get a raise before you're done. So that's uh, this is kind of the vicious death cycle right, where yeah. you have to keep making these successful rolls. And the, the only really way to you know, succeed here is, one, one you're, you get rid of wound penalties, um, get, you know, get bonuses to your roll, which we've already talked about. And then the best thing, and I think this is one thing that, that it requires situational awareness with your other players, is when, when someone goes down, drop what you're doing and go make the healing roll to you know stop the bleeding out. Because okay, so let me let me let me ask you this. I the way I play that and, and the way I understand it, I don't think you can do that during combat because a healing roll in the rules takes ten minutes. So I think that you're kind of 
taking yourself completely out of the rest of the combat in that case. Oh, no, no. So I think you have to do the healing roll after combat. I think that's too mean. So if you... But re- it, is, it isn't the way the rules are written. Well, it, well consider this. So the, the way this is written, so it says, okay, bleeding out. The incapacity or the injured character must make a vigor roll at the start of each round after the one in which you were injured, but before action cards are dealt. So that also means that unless they got a Joker's on um, the round before, none of your helpers are going to be able to get pluses either. Uh, Success, the victim must roll again next round or every minute thereafter not in combat. Uh, Raise, the victim stabilizes and no further rolls required. Failure, the character dies from blood loss. For non-lethal damage, he's rendered unconscious for 1d6 hours. Here we go. Other characters may stop a victim's bleeding by making a healing roll. If successful, the victim stabilizes immediately and no further rolls are required. The use, this use of the healing skill just stops the bleeding. Okay, so I guess, I guess that, that would then say to me that that can be done quicker than the 10 minutes. That can be done during combat. Of the rules, okay. So it says, so, and that does not actually remove any wounds. It says, see page 78 for use of the healing skill right. to recover okay. actual wounds. Okay, there you go. Okay, so it actually, the way, the way it's written, so reading that out loud, yeah, the way it's written, that basically you're kind of taking your action to help that player Stop stabilize. Yes, yeah, so okay. you are covering their gushing and arteries. And that's all you're doing. Yes, you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, five raises on that roll does not heal any of their wounds. Right. I take back what I take back what I said. So that's the other thing too is make sure your GMs are giving you the opportunity to staunch the blood, the bleeding, because it's not a healing roll in the sense of healing and removing wounds. It is a healing roll roll just to stem the bleeding, stop bleeding out. Uh, and all you need is a, si- a simple success on that. You don't need a yeah. raise. So you can even do the D4 minus two. And again, if you have a lawn as a friend, take us back to Benny and get a D4 straight up. Yeah, so I guess you could, you could like slap on a pressure bandage and take a shot at somebody, but you're just a D4 minus two. But on this as well, this healing role, the other thing you have to think about, if, I, if I'm saying this correctly, the other thing you have to think about is you have to minus any wounds you have and any wounds that the player that who's bleeding out has. True. For so you healing. so you might not want to take that D four minus two because if you have two wounds, the player has three wounds because and and they're incapacitated and they're bleeding out. You're at a minus five to that roll. If you take the D four minus two, you're at a minus seven. You're a D four minus seven. All right. So I'd almost say so. It doesn't unlike actual healing skill. It doesn't say that the it says. Other characters may stop a victim's bleeding by making a healing roll. If successful, the victim's... I'd almost say that the victim's wound levels aren't, necessi- aren't necessarily against your stopping the bleeding roll like they would be to actually recover wounds. And the only reason I say yes that they would be is because I would say that if you're going to do this, then you would need to go to page 78, read the he- the healing skill, even though you're only trying to stop the oh, bleeding. I, I think, but I, I even though you're only trying to stop the healing. bleeding, I think you're still going to take penalties per using the healing skill that's 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 my only thing that's the reason i say that is it harsh Uh, yes it it is kind of harsh i i think in general when using healing i think it's very harsh even outside of combat within that golden hour technically you have to use your wounds and the player that you're trying to heal their wounds are 
counting towards that negative. And to me, I just I find that very, very harsh. Um, but looking at it, I, I would say, and I could be completely wrong if anybody uh, thinks uh, that I'm wrong about that or, or the, you want to say, yeah, Savage Mommy, you're correct, let us know. Go to the Facebook page, go to G+, send us an email, let us know uh, what you think on that. But I really think that you would be taking all the negatives. Yes, I agree. Like The negatives are definitely there for removing wounds. I don't know if I, if I would impose them at the table for stopping the bleeding. I mean that's a good. I mean that's a, that's something to think about. That's a good a good question to think about. But just in my mind, I would use I, the only reason I say that they would be there is because they're part of the healing skill, and you're to stop the bleeding. You're making a healing role, so you're using the healing skill. So therefore, you would have to follow the rules under that skill, which give you those negatives. Yeah, I mean it is. It, it, you're it's a mean kind, GM. Uh, I, it's it's harsh. I'm just I, I'm going by what I think the rules say and what I think the rules are telling me. Uh, yeah, I mean I will tell you a lot of times in my games, the person doing the healing, I don't make them I don't make them use their wounds. I kind of I kind of hand wave that. I I normally just make them they they have to take the negative for the person's wounds that they're trying to heal, but I don't pile it on that. Okay, my medic, uh, World War II game, my medic has two wounds. The person he's trying to save has three wounds. Technically, that's a minus five, like I said, but I don't, I don't necessarily make them make the roll at a minus five. They'll make it at a minus three uh, and won't have to use their wounds. Now, uh, why is that there? And my, my thought is, is the reason it's there and the reason it rules that way is because it's, it's a distraction, really. Because as the medic, you know, you've just gotten shot, you're bleeding as well, you've got two wounds and you're bleeding, you're not going to be as focused as you would be if you were completely healthy. And I think that's what it's trying to simulate there is just the, the trauma of you being wounded as well as the person you're trying to save being wounded. And yeah, it is harsh and, you know, maybe, like I said, people, people hand wave part of it, people house rule it, I don't know. Uh, but it, it's it, it's there for a reason. Well, yeah. So that's the thing. So the the well, for sure, actual like remove wounds or removing capacitation, both of which can happen with a healing roll, happen outside of combat. They need you know ten minutes, right? And um, you know, so that, that that is that is outside of combat. You're already not dead, right? Because you don't die outside of combat. You know, in Savage Worlds, basically, like the the way you know the bleeding out works and 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 all that you're still in combat rounds um the well i mean i guess you know you well you can make the one roll i think it says you know you're outside of combat like once every 10 minutes or whatever um so you're gonna you know get at least one one crack at it but i think overall that you know the, the point stands that the if you see someone going down there's a very limited window for you to get to them to right, stop to help bleeding them. out. Right, the, um, exactly. Because they could be bleeding out as early as the next turn. You know, because if they come after you and go before you the next turn, they're uh, gonna, yeah, they're because gonna, they have to make those rolls at the beginning of the next turn. Right, before, again, like I said, before any action cards are dealt. So before you, before you deal anything, you have someone bleeding out. Like if, if they, you, they need to make the roll and nobody's going to have the chance... Unless they come after them in combat, right? So that's that's the thing. Right. Is if, if you if you if you see somebody, if you are going after somebody who is going to be making a bleeding out roll at the beginning of the next turn before action cards, 
probably a pretty good idea to sacrifice what you were doing that round to run over there and make a healing roll to stop the bleeding out. Right. Because you're not going to get that chance before they're going to make that roll. The next time. Yeah, the next time. So it's a little bit of metagaming, but it's also real life. It's just one of those things in Savage Worlds where you know, it comes up, it comes at you quickly. Like you go from, oh, I'm up and acting and I'm fine to, oh, took a bunch of wounds. Oh, wait, now I'm incapacitated. Oh, crap, I'm making bad rolls because I, uh, I, I survived not dying instantaneously, um, but now I'm making, you know, bleeding out rolls. Uh, so it's much easier for someone to come against you and make that healing roll, whether you're playing with a mean GM who's going to give you all the minuses or not. <laughs> hey, much better to take. Now. Right, much better to I take. I resemble that. that. Yes. Take it, take it that round versus waiting because that's the thing. The just like Savage Worlds has bennies and bennies allow you repeated attempts at success. Bleeding out is a repeated attempt at failure. You, you know, you only have to fail at the once and you're dead. Right. And you have to keep succeeding all the time. So it's really like the reason it's pretty vicious is that it's it's the opposite of the normal way Savage Worlds works where. Okay, you can fail, fail, fail. You only need one success and you're good. Well, now you have to keep succeeding flawlessly or else you die if you're bleeding out. And so that's one of those things where um, yeah, you want to not have the game have multiple cracks at the bat for you to be dead. So you want to limit the number of times you're even making that choice. And that means, yeah, drop everything. Go make that healing roll to prevent the bleeding out. Um or, you know, as a character, save the bennies for the incapacitation and bleeding out versus saving them to, to soak wounds. And, uh, and I've seen it. I've seen it in big games. And I, I know, like, a con games is a little bit different because no one really has the expectation if it's the last big battle or whatever. They don't really care if their character survives. And, and being incapacitated is as good as being dead because you're not going to be able to participate in the rest of the, the one shot. Um, so people will try the, I got to soak 11 wounds. Let's go. Yeah. Right? Just spend, 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 Benny, 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 Benny. Right. But the, um, but this is also actually a really good spot for like where common bond can come in where, you know, spending Benny's on your allies. Um, maybe don't spend them on their attempts to stay alive. Spend them on their attempts to not be dead. Right. Uh, some of the, uh, don't the edges that don't get used very often, the leadership edges where you can, give all of your people plus two to soak. I mean, that, that's kind of taking a step back. Now, we're not talking bleeding out, but there's things in the leadership edges that can help you avoid that whole having to get to the bleeding out part of it as well. Um, you know, and those leadership edges, I don't, I don't see them get used very often. Uh, I have some people right now uh, who are using those in a couple of my games, which I love um, the fact that they took them. They... I haven't said, when I say using them, I say they took them, haven't really had a lot of opportunity to use them yet. But so those are other things to think about as well. If you're going to have that character who wants to be the leader and uh, kind of the, maybe the, the out front guy or things like that, that you can help your, your, the rest of the party. So yeah, so that's, those are our advice. The, um... And real quick, I want to, I wanna, because I think this is a good point to talk about this. I, I, we kind of have brought it around and kind of come to, to kind of the end of what we want to say. But I think it's important to point out, uh, and we've pointed it out in, in other shows, I think, uh, and I've pointed it out tons of times in other shows, is another big important part about not dying in Savage Worlds is realize that Savage Worlds is not an attrition-based system. 
All right. I don't have, I'm not coming up against X monster. I have a hundred hit points. X monster has a hundred hit points and not a damn thing. Really, honestly, if you think about it, makes a difference until one of us hits that zero hit points. It just doesn't matter. And there there isn't really a meat shield. Right. In Savage Savage Worlds. Worlds, It's not a stand toe-to-toe with the orc boss and his 10 orc minions. And I hit you, you hit me. I hit you, you hit me. I hit you, you hit me. No, I can be that legendary character. That orc minion blows up the damage that he does because he hits me. And he just blows up the damage and it explodes and aces all over the place. I'm a legendary character. I got a chance. I got a chance of getting a case of dead. Where that's just in, in other systems, in other attrition based systems, whatever they may be, and I'm not just I'm not just talking D D here because there's most systems are attrition based systems. Pathfinder, those things that use hit points. It just it's a slog. It is just a slog. I'm going to stand there and hit you. You're going to stand there and hit me. And we're going to try to be the first person to get the other guy to zero or negative one or whatever in your game of choice is the trigger for bad shit and you're dead. You know, and it just, you don't have that in Savage Worlds. And people come to Savage Worlds from those other games with that mindset and I don't think that they enjoy Savage Worlds as much I think they think Savage Worlds is too lethal too harsh and it's just you, you have well, to look at it from play, a but, different perspective well, they, they play wrong I mean I, I know I, I don't like <laughs> you're having the wrong right? kind of fun well, it's, it's not that actually it's no not, it's, not. It's, it's not that it's not the oh you're you're playing wrong like that where it's oh no it's literally you cannot use the memes and tropes and normal mores of attrition based systems in savage worlds like all of them are abstractions and you know uh, being you know uh, postmodernist, no abstraction is better than another. Whatever the 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 way the rules are written is creates effective play styles, and so yeah, playing the it's not saying you know, D is better or worse or Savage Worlds is better or worse. It's just that you cannot play D and D style attrition with Savage Worlds and expect the same results as you're going to get in D and D. It just doesn't work that way. Right. It's a different system. You know, the, the, the wounds are, for most characters, three. There's, that's it. There, you know, there's not, you know, and, and as you go up in level, you don't necessarily become, you know, so much harder to kill like you do in D&D. Like, I mean, going back to AD&D, I just remember, like, if you're, if you're playing a wizard or a thief, you have, like, no hit points to start out. D4. Right, like, D four hit points at first level. Right, you are just a you you know someone like a goblin farts in your direction and you can be dead, um, <laughs> right? Where very and, true, and that that's just the thing. It's just like you know you are so easy to oh reroll a character or just you know most GMs hand wave it or you know started games oh you're third level or whatever, um, but. You know, and that makes sense for those systems. That's how those systems feel, and they play, and you know, you suffer and, and you know, excel based upon that. Savage World, it's it's not. You can die at any time. 
Um, you know, the dice can always explode against you. Yeah, novice characters can kill a dragon. I had it happen. Right? And even if you stack all the things we mentioned, yeah, you can still get killed. I mean, you know, there's not a guarantee. It's not like, well, you can double your hit points, and therefore you're just, you know, it's going to take you, you know, no matter what they throw against you, you're never going to, unless it's like rocks fall on players. Right, right? you're just like, making it more, more difficult. Right. You're upping that difficulty level of... Of dying, but pretty much no matter what, in one round you can go from perfectly healthy and destroying monsters to dead. But, right, you know. and if you're a tenth, twelfth level character in D and D, that's really not going to happen. You know, when you're again, when you have hundreds of hit points, and something hits you for twenty hit points, eh, you're fine. It does. It doesn't. It just doesn't make a difference. Uh, going back to AD and D real quick and talking about the wizard. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I just want to throw this out there to people. There's a song out there called Always the First to Die. Nice. It is a great song. Go out, go to YouTube, search Always the First to Die. I, you'll love it. It's about this dude who always has to play the wizard, and it's basically a song about how he always dies first, and uh, I don't want to give too much... I, it's weird to say this, but I don't want to give too much of the song away because it's, it's got a, a great ending to the song, but uh, go out and give it a listen. Nice. It's, we'll, it's well, well worth listening. We'll play a little teaser clip into here. Like yeah, insert yeah. Teaser we'll here. insert, yeah, insert teaser. And, uh... well, we're playing the keep so we enter the town to stock up for the night. I learned the two standard spells, magic missile and light. Suddenly from out of the caves, the kobolds, they attack. I screamed and shit my pants and took a dagger in the back. That's why I'm always the first to die. I'm always the first to die. Yeah, I'm always the first to die. I'm always the first to die. Some guys get chain or plate or a big ass sword that does one dice eight. I get the lantern and a ten foot pole and some nose with a stick that does one dice four, one dice four. I only do 1d4 That's why I'm always the first to die Always the first to die Well, uh, maybe uh, let's try to find a link. We'll throw it in the show notes for folks. Absolutely. So any okay. So having said that, anything else you can think of? Anything else on staying alive in Savage Worlds? Or you I think, think we pretty much covered it. it? I mean, you know, obviously there's tactics and there's you know using cover and you know and, and all those yeah, kind of going prone, right? In range. Oh yeah, it pr- yeah, prone and ranged is great. We just Pro- talked about that on the GM Hangout going, on, on going, Thursday night. Going prone if people are near you, not so good. Yeah, bad they, news. They can then curb stomp you. Um, <laughs> but the well, uh, no, no. For ranged combat, take things like um, dodge. Yeah, dodge, dodge. Like dodge gives attackers minuses to hit you in range. Yeah, in range. Like the you know, so if you don't, don't get sh- don't you know if you don't want to get shot, like yeah, use cover, go prone, take dodge. Um, giving them minuses is nice because yeah, thinking yeah. about that, what we just talked about was mostly melee, wasn't it? I right. didn't even think about that. Well, no, it's true, but I mean, you know, well, I mean, mostly melee, but you know, the, all the all the things that happen, you know, to, to better the role, right? Or, yeah, I guess those, that's true. I guess we did talk about things to better the role. Also, to me, just strategy too. Like, I mean, like Savage Worlds is is really excellent for being a little sniper and you know, coming from out, outside of cover, shooting, and then going back into cover. Yeah. Because um, you can move, act, move. So do that. Um, you know, it's part of the tactics of the system is being able to move and act 
independently, separately on the same turn. So you, you don't have to leave yourself hanging out in the open if you want to shoot people. You can totally, you know, pop out of cover, fire, and pop back in the cover. Yeah, we, uh, we ran the, the, the guys on the GM Hangout were running an ETU game um, on Roll20. Uh, I think you can find it if, if you search the GM Hangout. I think you can actually find that. And Jib was on there. And we're in uh, the Pizza Barn, which any of you who have played ETU, that's basically the college hangout uh, in, uh, in Pine Box, so they call it the Pizza Barn. And some guys walked in into the Pizza Barn and uh, pulled a gun, and immediately Jib, on his, his turn, his turn came up, and he immediately, his first action, and people, people think about this and remember this, because this somebody's got a gun. He says, my first action is I dive for cover behind the booth he did not mess around he didn't spend any time he didn't do any didn't didn't take a a second to think about anything else he saw somebody come in the guy drew a gun he dove for cover immediately because that's you know you want to avoid obviously I mean, duh you want to avoid being shot at all costs so, th- so think about that you especially those in things. that system where you know guns are supposed to be lethal and more rare you know that's they, you're not urban commandos walking around no you're with, college students yeah you're college students right so and this fool brings a gun into the freaking pizza barn yeah you're people are going to be diving for cover if they're smart right regardless of of min maxing would that be and, irregardless right sorry <laughs> think of it this way remember that d6 is average human so if you have a D4 in a stat or a skill, you are subpar. Whether or not you've you know, put your fighting or whatever at D12 plus, whatever. Like, to, to me, the, the, you understand that the way that the, the bell curves work and the probability curves work, um, the normal distributions, is that you're getting less bang for your buck the higher you go away from norm. And so going from a D10 to a D12 is not as significant of a... Of a, of a a mathematical bonus to you is going from a D6 to a D8 or a D8 to a D10. Right. So um, I noticed in that certain podcast, the characters were D12-ing it or more in like fighting or shooting. That's a, that's a Jared thing. Jared right. loves to do that. And, and, and you don't, even if you are the baddest gun in the West, um, don't try to shoot for the D12, whatever, at character creation. Uh, you, you're just going <laughs> to have to... he would completely disagree with you on right, that one. You're, you're, no, well, then you can't create a novice character. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if, you, if you really think you are conceived to be the greatest of whatever it is, the character creation, uh, you're going to be way too imbalanced. There, there's no way for a novice character to have enough points to spread around to be both so fantastic at whatever skill you want to be fantastic at and cover the bases as far as spirit and vigor go. Right. Now, but but I don't, I don't think we're saying, though, that you should never have a D4 to start because maybe that's character concept. In, in Savage Worlds, oh, con- no, 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 concept no. is king, so if you have an attribute that's a D4 and you're considered subpar, don't think we're saying, oh, my, you should never have a D4 and an attribute. I don't oh, think no, no. that's Having what, what we're saying at all. Having characters are fun. It's just that if you are going to model the... I, I'm modeling Bruce Lee... Well, that dude, you can't just put it all in, in fighting and acrobatics and athletics or whatever. Um, you have to balance it out with vigor and 
um, spirit, or else you're you're a glass cannon. Like you, you know, and and then glass cannons work in certain systems that allow for you to mitigate dying in other ways. Savage Worlds is not really the case. Like the, you know, it makes much more sense for you to, yeah, definitely weigh your character more towards the skills that you want to be good at, but consider improving them over time as you gain ranks versus, oh yeah, I'm going to be a D12 at novice in shooting. Like, okay, maybe that's your character concept, but then again, you're just going to be dead because you're rolling a D4 or a D6 in vigor and spirit. Right. Um, you know, the you're not going to live too long with that kind of a glass cannon. And, you know, that's what we saw happen. So the, you know, I'm not saying you can't make wildly imbalanced characters. I think wildly imbalanced characters are fun. You just, you're, you're appreciating that you are risking death imminently or that you are going to be incompetent in certain areas. I mean, those, those are things that are fun to play. And right. You know, by all means, I'm not saying, oh yeah, make sure you average everything out and everything is, is, you know, no, no. But the, the, the point of the episode is to say, if you don't want to die, if your character, if you want to keep your character alive, it's more than just being good at the main action skill, like fighting or shooting that you want right. to be good at. Um, focus know, on focusing on uh, some important things that'll keep you alive. Yeah, and that's just just if you want to keep your character alive. Like you don't have to. Like you can totally die. Um, making your characters as fun and fast and savage worlds. So, but if if you have an emotional attachment, yeah, we gave you the, the road the, the roadmap on how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that probably brings us to a pretty uh, good conclusion. So I want to say thank you to everybody for listening to episode twenty-five of Savage Cast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email uproar at savagecast.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have show ideas, if you would like to tell us uh, what we said was wrong or right or whatever, uh, visit our Facebook page. Uh, leave us some feedback there. Visit us on G+. We'd love your feedback there. If you'd like to uh, subscribe to the show, you can do that on iTunes. We'd love for you to go subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. That way more people will find out about Savage Cast. Uh, I think uh, uh, Christopher and I are kind of uh, on a roll uh, recently where uh, getting this content out to people. And uh, I would say that uh, with some things that are upcoming, we're going to just keep uh, keep getting that content out to you guys. So, uh, again, thanks for listening to episode 25. Adios, savages. Mm-hmm.